Did I tell the story about the dog in Pittsburgh that talked and burned the guy's hand? No. Is that where you were headed next? Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple stories that I could tell for that, but yeah, that's one of them. Okay. I mean, I could tell it. I don't have to tell it. That's why I was asking. Tell me whatever. I haven't heard of that. All right. Whenever you're ready. Right. Um, So when I was talking to you the other night, I talked to you about um, dogs with human brains. I mentioned it. So I thought I would tell you a story or two about dogs with human brains. Okay. One of the most fascinating ones I came across was actually from Pittsburgh. In July 29th of 1908, there were these two guys walking on Lincoln Avenue in Pittsburgh. They saw a a little dog, a little black dog, trot up to them and walked right uh, right up to them wagging its tail. And the dog said to them in English, good morning. Well, (laughs) the men stopped and stared at each other. They thought it was a prank, okay, that one of them was like casting their voice or something. Um, And one of them said to the other, are are you a ventriloquist? Is this a joke? And, And the dog's still sitting there and it says to, it looks from the one guy to the other and it says, not at all. I speak for myself. And the guys watching, they're each watching each other's mouths really closely and neither one of them is moving their mouth. And they're looking around now thinking, what the hell? You know, and so they, um, with that, you know, the dog sort of jumped up and started to walk away. And one of the guys screamed, it's a trick. Grab that dog. And the guy reached out and grabbed the dog and then he screamed and left go of the dog and the dog turned around, looked at them and then took off running. Well, this attracted the attention of a police officer and the guy's holding his hand and screaming and in pain and, and his friends trying to help him. And the police officer comes running over and he's like, what's going on here? And the, the guy that's not hurting, he, he starts explaining this insane story about how this dog talked to them in English and the officer's like, that's insane. And the guy's like, no, no, it's not. It's not insane. And he pries open his hand and he shows him. And there is the perfectly burned, etched the print, imprint of the dog's leg, the hairs and everything burned onto his hand, literally burned into his flesh. Ugh. And the officer and every and the other people start looking for the dog. They never do find the dog. But... Um, you know, it's it's it would just be a tail, except for the fact that this man's hand was badly burned. Hmm. So, what do you think it was? I haven't the faintest clue, but you have to admit it's one heck of a good story. But you have other ones like this. Well, other stories, not necessarily like that. Okay. Um, other stories about dogs that could do amazing things. Oh. There was a dog um, that was owned by a guy by the name of George Wood in Rhode Island in 1953. The dog's name was Chris. So for fun, George decided that he was going to teach the dog how to count. So he would um, put his paw on a chair and then tap out like five and then say the word five. Say the dog would try to get the the idea of it, right? Mm -hmm. And it was amazing to him how fast Chris learned. Chris learned so fast that he could count to a million. Like they would say to him, tap out 5,000. 
and he would do it and it would be accurate. Um, but not only did he learn how to count to a million, he could do addition and subtraction and, and he could find square root. They would give him math problems that they knew the answers to, and he would give them the answers within seconds. So then he decided to teach him how to Wait, how spell. if it could only pat? It would just pat out the answer. Uh, Yeah, but didn't it have to like pat like a million times to get there? They literally could or what teach do you it. Mean? Did, yeah. Well, they would actually, actually, he went from patting to putting cards on the ground. Uh-huh. And the dog could recognize the numbers. Oh, okay. All right. So when he started <laughs> out, say, that wouldn't well, take a couple seconds. If it, was, <laughs> if it was simple, if it was simple things like, you know, what's five times two? Right. He might pat it out, but eventually he went to putting numbers down on the on there, and it would pick the numbers to make whatever number he needed. And then he thought, well, let's do it with words and see what happens. So they put the alphabet down and taught him the alphabet. Okay. And they taught him the alphabet in like a couple hours. Hmm. Think about how long it takes our kids to learn it. Yeah. And he learned, he picked it up in just a couple hours and he would spell out words. Um, there was, there was actually, um, he was taken to, um, research labs, Jim and Chris, and they, scientists, you know, tried to figure out what was going on. And one of the, th the tests they came up with was, um, so complicated. The, the math problem was so complicated that it took a computer at the time. And we're talking the 1950s, so rudimentary computers, but, um, it took the computer four minutes to answer it. And Chris came up with it in quicker period of time. And then while they while they were um, talking about what Chris just did, um, one of the scientists said to him um, to another one, how did that dog do that? And Chris's cards were laying all over the floor and he walked over and he tapped out smart dog. Brain power and sat down and wagged his tail. Hmm. Where is uh, what is Chris the dog from? Where is he? He's. He was from uh, his from Rhode Island. His his owner's name was George Wood, and the date for him starting was 1953. I'm trying to see this, Chris the Wonder Dog. Yep. TV character nicknames. Okay, so was there like a movie or TV show about him or something? There might have been because he became very famous. Um, but originally it was, and there was another dog. It was an Irish setter by the name of Jim and he was owned, um, by a guy named the same name, Sam Van Arsdale. And this would have been in the 19, 1929. And this dog had a huge IQ. Um, one day Van Arsdale's walking Jim through, um, his property and he says out loud, he notices that one of the elms has a blight and he says, well, you look at that, Jim, that elm's got a blight. I better cut it down before we start infecting all the trees. And the dog takes off running and starts barking at another tree. And when Van Arsdale gets to it, he realizes the tree has the beginnings of the blight. And then Jim takes off to another tree and starts barking. And all the trees Jim picked that day had the blight. He went right past other trees that didn't and didn't stop at all. And he was 100% accurate with this. Well, this got him interested in the idea of what his dog could do. So he started to wonder if the dog could do other things. So he said to the dog, hey, Jim, could you find me a birch tree? Jim went running down the 
the side of the, the yard there to the far end and barked at the first birch tree he came to. So he considered, he starts doing all of this and he ended up, the dog could do all kinds of crazy stuff. He could tell the difference between a locust tree, a birch tree, an oak tree. Um, he did all kinds of interesting things like that. And in fact, he, I thought this was cool. He could pick the winners of, of uh, horse races. They would lay the names of the horses on the ground on slips of paper. And they would ask Jim to pick who the winner would be. And he was about 95% accurate on this. And they would go and they would do a bet. And the horse would almost always win. Hmm. In fact, a movie company offered to star him in a movie. But Ar Arnsdale said no. He said he didn't think he needed to. So there was a professor by the um, named Professor Durant. Um, from the University of Missouri, who decided that basically what was going on is that Jim was cueing to Arnsdale's hand signals mm -hmm. or something like that. So he decided to prove that this was all it was. So he challenged Arnsdale and Jim to an exhibition, a public exhibition. 900 people showed up. And then he insisted that Arnsdale had to leave the area and he, he would have to tell Jim that he had to listen to Durant and then Arnsdale had to leave and go to another building and sit and Arnsdale agreed and so so Durant says to the dog Jim I need you to go find um, this particular tree and the dog does it then he speaks in German and the dog does the command in German then he speaks it in Spanish and the dog does it in Spanish then he speaks in German um, Italian and the dog responds in, and does it again so no matter how fast no matter how slow no matter what language it was in the dog would find whatever he was told to find so the things that were he was told to do at this exhibition was find the man with a black mustache find the guy with the pink rose in his pocket you know that kind of stuff and he picked the right person every time so it's telepathy. I don't know what I mean, it is. It has to be because the dog couldn't have known all those languages if the owner didn't know, if, speak the languages. It, well, it wasn't even the owner, though. It was the scientist. Who I'm, was d telling I'm just saying. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. He couldn't have learned all those different languages. He would have to be somehow. Somehow he's picking up the message, yeah. but he was very smart and he could get what he was told to get. Whoa. Well, you guys just got three for the price of one, I think. Uh, I just think it's a fascinating concept. And, yeah, and but here's something you missed, and maybe what? you didn't know this. Did you know about uh, Chris when he was predicting his own death? I didn't know about him predicting his own death. What did he say? Um, the most phenomenal prediction Chris made concerned his own death. Uh, when asked when he would die, he used his paw to code uh, June 10th, 1962. Guess when he died? June 10th, 1962. June 9th, 1962. Really? One day shy of his deadline. Yeah. So. Awesome. But you have to admit, they're interesting stories. And these yeah. dogs are far beyond just well-trained. Right. Huh. Well, I wonder why there are only uh, pretty much a few of them. I don't know. Like, are they outliers or... Are they? I don't know what they are, and you don't hear much about that these days. But these, I mean, these stories span almost a hundred years that I'm telling. Uh huh. Those, are, they're probably people that were turned into dogs by witches. That could be most likely. Yeah. I mean, there's no other explanation. <laughs> <laughs> they have good heart brains. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Well, somebody wanted us to do something about like uh, talking to pets and some other stuff. 
Well, I how think, about if pets well, talk back? Well, we'll probably address that on the live, but um, yeah, because you don't think people you you don't really think that people communicate with an, like animal psychics. You you don't think that's a I thing, right? I think it's well. I the thing I think is that. I think you, we all communicate with our pets, okay? Excuse me. <clears throat> if we have pets. What I don't necessarily buy are animal psychics. And the reason I don't buy them is because there's no way to tell if it's true or it's not true. You know, because and, I'm, and if you're making a lot of money at something like that, I always kind of find it a little askance. Because there, there are always such predictable things. <clears throat> if it was something like, oh, you know, the dog's really upset because you bury the dead body in the backyard and the police dig it up and there's a dead body, I might be inclined to buy that one. Mm -hmm. But whenever it's like, oh, she's really upset because she's jealous you've got a new boyfriend or you're spending more time with somebody else. Oh, okay. Those are pretty predictable. You're, you're concentrating on the psychic themselves. Yes. I mean, it's not I'm, the dog. I'm talking about the power is the power, the ability to I don't know. Speak I with think them. We all. Because if, if this dog moments. can do what it did without speaking the language, I mean, it could go the other way, right? Well, it could. I mean, and I think animals definitely communicate with us. I mean, I, I don't know if I told you the story about my cat Ponce or not, but um, Ben is always with him. Um, and Ben left for three and a half, four days. So the morning after Ben left, he went to the hospital because him and his girlfriend have just had their new baby. And the morning after Ben left to go to the hospital, I go get my shower and Ponce never comes to the shower. Like when I'm showering, he just sits, goes and eats and goes away till it's over with. And, um, I get out, I pull the shower curtain back and there's Ponce sitting there looking at me like he's wanting something. And I said immediately, just thought that this is, he's looking for Ben. And I said, Hey honey, don't worry about it. Benji went away to get a new baby, but, um, he'll be back in a day or two. And he goes, when I said, Hey, I said that he goes, wow. And I said, uh, he'll be back in a day or two. And then he goes, wow, wow. And he walks away and I swear <laughs> he said, thank you. And, he did because the first was just a single meow just meow, and then the second was meow, meow, and he's gone and he went out and laid on the couch and waited and he waited for two and a half days and whenever ben got home he said mom he was literally in the window watching for me when i got here patty I you're, can't explain. you're putting the crazy in crazy cat lady right now okay i'm just telling you <laughs> you can bust my chops all you want but that is that is true no, I, I believe it. Like, for example, my baby, right? Like, I think she does things and I'm like, did she just say that? Or, you know, whatever. And maybe it's true. Well, it maybe it's not. Because I don't it know. was a two syllable meow of some sort. You know, it was just, and it was comical. I'm like, it almost sounded like thank you. Right, mm -hmm. right. Yeah. Because it was like he was inquiring. Why is Ben not home? What's wrong? Yeah. It makes you go, how much do they really understand? <laughs> oh, I know Ponce is the prince of all pussycats in the universe, so Dude, I assume he knows everything. Yeah, there's. I remember there's a book like How to Know If Your Cat's Trying to Kill You or something like that that came out like years ago. My cat can't kill me because he does not have opposable thumbs and I open the tuna fish. <laughs> okay, take that, kitty That's cat. That's right. I have opposable thumbs. See, we couldn't just stick with dogs. We had to squeeze cats in there. But we did do some very Such nice dog life. stories. Yes, we did. And that they were cool. So um, there you go. 
Parapeep, that is your story. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one.